Hi, welcome to the 12th House Podcast. I'm Michelle Palazon-Lipsitz, your co-host, and I am so happy that you're here. Thanks for tuning in to the pod. Appreciate you. Love you. I'm really excited to introduce you to today's guest. It's my dad, Greg Palazon. <laughs> I wanted to have my dad on for a couple of reasons. First, because... I think he's the best. Second, because he is an expert in the economy. He has been in this industry for the last 40 years, giving people guidance and advice on what to do with the market. And we are moving into a potential global recession. And I think it's a really scary time, especially if you're someone like me who doesn't consider themselves a math person or I don't know, like (laughs) a finance person. I think trying to find your way through the mess of news and what's happening sort of in the world can be really overwhelming. And if you're an entrepreneur or you're considering in the future, starting your own business or going out on your own or quitting your job, or maybe you have quit your job, I think that can bring up a lot of fear and anxiety as to what might come next. How long is this going to last? And what should we be doing to protect ourselves and take care of ourselves and take care of our communities? And uh, my dad's got 40 years of experience doing this. So he has a lot of opinions, but I think more importantly, he's just seen it happen a ton of times. So he can kind of give not just a, a hot take, but evidence of what's happened anecdotally in the past, what you can do, what you might want to be afraid of or aware of, and maybe what to hedge against. Let me tell you a little bit of what's coming up in the episode. We talk about entrepreneurship and being an entrepreneur, the type of mentality it takes to be an entrepreneur and why having ADHD can be extremely helpful. My dad and I both are diagnosed with ADHD. Uh, It does run in families, funnily enough. And we also talk about just generally the recession and the difference between a recession, a depression, and a sort of like global market fatality event. And how what happened in 2008 is different than what's potentially happening today and how that's different than what happened in 2001, which is around the dot-com boom. We also talk about philosophers and stoicism, the three tips that he would give entrepreneurs during this time to make it through this recession and what to expect timeline-wise. And then he gives a little bit of dad advice. So we're kind of all over the map, but I think it's a really good episode. I want to tell you a little bit about my dad because I think it'll help you sort of ground down. You know, he's not necessarily, (laughs) he's not a witch, but he is a pretty spiritual person. And What I love about him is that he's a curious person. My dad is a pure generator and he's a 6'2 profile, which means he's the role model and the hermit. I cannot think of a better description of Greg Palazon, role model and hermit. And um, you're definitely going to hear that in today's episode. He's also, I'm pretty sure, like a triple Capricorn. And again, you will hear that in a good way in what we talk about. I also just want to say that I totally won the dad lottery. And I haven't always had an easy, loving relationship with my dad. And we've worked really hard over the last couple of years, probably 10 years, to sort of bridge the gap. And I'm really grateful that I have a parent who's who's down to do that, you know, and and down to work with me and grow and who's always open, you know. It makes me emotional. But I really lucked out and I go to my dad for advice when I really need help. (laughs) He gives really good advice. And one thing that I appreciate about him is I always wanted to be a dancer. And he always told me, you should just go for it. Just go for it. You'll hear him say that in today's episode too. Just do it. Don't be afraid. And 
the reason that he would tell me to not be afraid and to just try was because he knew and would tell me often that as long as you show up and try your best, like you'll have something to be proud of, but you're a resilient person and you'll build resilience just by showing up. And as you build resilience, as you keep showing up, you'll gain more trust in yourself. And as you gain more trust in yourself, you'll be able to make decisions where inevitably you'll succeed. So my people would often say, oh my gosh, you're sending your daughter to college to go major in dance, (laughs) to get get a BFA. What's she going to do with that? And my dad, to his credit, never said, oh, I don't know what she's going to do. Hopefully she changes her mind. He had total faith in me. Not that I would become a professional dancer, but that whatever I did, I would do with my whole chest and that I would figure out the next step if what I was passionate about didn't work out in the way that I wanted it to work out. And that is the best gift I think you can have in a parent is a parent who trusts you to trust yourself and to make the best decisions for you. So I'm really grateful for him. This is a long intro. Sorry, but just some dad advice. (laughs) And he also always used to tell me, you're only young once. So while you're young, go do the things that you want to do, the things that you're excited about. You can always make more money later. That's what he used to tell me also as a dancer. <laughs> when I'd be like, I have no money. Be like, you can always make more money later. Just go be young, go experiment and explore. So that's Greg. That's Greg P. Uh, you're going to hear from him in today's episode and I hope that you enjoy it. We'll be back next week with The 12th House. We have a sponsor for today's episode of the 12th house. Flowdesk is an email service provider that I've been using for the last, oh my gosh, three years that I am obsessed with. Their templates are gorgeous. It's so easy to use. And honestly, it's not one of those email service providers that's bloated and has too many bells and whistles. It has just the right amount of complexity for an entrepreneur who's getting in the, into the email marketing game. I love Flowdesk because not only are the templates really beautiful, but it cuts down my time when I have to write an email, design an email, and send an email out. I can do it in, oh my gosh, like less than five minutes, which is really saying something. An email service provider is absolutely needed for anyone who's running an online business, whether you have an e-com store or you're selling courses or you're just building a community. And I can't recommend Flowdesk enough. Flowdesk is one of our sponsors today. And when you use the code holisticism or the link below in our show notes, you'll get one year of Flowdesk at 50% off. That makes it $19 a month. And that is a flat rate. With other email service providers like MailChimp or ConvertKit, you actually pay for the number of subscribers that you have. So we have over 100,000 subscribers at Holisticism. We would be paying thousands and thousands of dollars at another email service provider. But thankfully at Flowdesk, we just pay $19 a month, which is a really freaking good deal. So can't say enough about how much I love Flowdesk and I would love for you to try it out. You can use the code holisticism when you check out at Flowdesk. You'll get the first year of your subscription at 50% off or $19 a month. Again, that's flowdesk.com backslash holisticism. Hi, dad. Hey, Michelle. (laughs) How's it going? It's going well, thank you. Is this the first podcast you've been on? Yeah, I think I have. Welcome. Thank you. I'll be gentle. Beautiful. (laughs) So I wanted to have you on the podcast because you're my dad. 
That's a good reason. <laughs> and I love you. Thank you. And I love you too. You give really good advice. I do. You do. Awesome. <laughs> you know I you know do. I have, I have a lot of opinions on everything. <laughs> There's, I think, a general sense of unease and fear in the world right now, especially for people who are entrepreneurs. So. I kind of wanted to get your take as someone who gives really good advice and also is an entrepreneur around kind of what the future might hold. Okay. But first, you're a Capricorn. Yes, I am a Capricorn. Do you identify as a Capricorn? Yeah, probably. I think I'm a pretty grounded person. <laughs> is that what a Capricorn is? <laughs> yeah, you're like very determined. Regimented. Disciplined. Yeah. Particular. I'm disciplined. I am, I am particular though, yeah. You're disciplined. To some degree, yeah. What are you undisciplined around? Sometimes I could probably be more task completion oriented. Mm. You know, sometimes I get too many tasks on. I juggle too many balls. Yeah, but that's, do you think that's ADHD? I think it's, yeah. But I think a lot of entrepreneurs have that. Yeah. You think it's a skill. It isn't to some degree, but it's also kind of a curse, you know, because you think you're multitasking, but you're not really multitasking as much as you are half-ass tasking <laughs> on some things. But you kind of talked about how you think that Maybe the reason you went into entrepreneurship is because of that ability. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a big part of it is that there's this need for, I don't know if excitement, but it's kind of like fourth and 10 on the goal, you know, and you're trying to go in for a touchdown, that type of thing. I think a lot of entrepreneurs like that. It's extreme. There's high highs and low lows and like yeah, sometimes they're on the same day. Many entrepreneurs too are into hobbies that are more extreme, like running marathons and oh. running ultra marathons. How, how many marathons have you run, Dad? <laughs> that was my shoe. <laughs> <laughs> I only started running them because you were running them. Yeah, I ran, I don't know how many I ran, probably six or seven. <laughs> you ran more than I did. That's served you really well, I think. Yeah, running marathons is good because it's, it's kind of like being an entrepreneur. Well, it's a long journey and there's a lot of preparation for it and a lot of loneliness. I just think entrepreneurs are alone. You have to be with yourself. Yep. And it's nobody to blame but yourself. <laughs> when you can't make it past mile 17, it's... And the other thing it does is it builds perseverance. And you just got to hang in there. A lot of life is just about persevering. All lessons that you learn as an entrepreneur, for better or for worse. And do you think all people can be entrepreneurs? No, I don't buy that. Tell me more. What do you think? Because you know a ton of business owners, obviously. You advise lots of business owners. I think everyone can attempt to be an entrepreneur. I don't know if that means they're going to be successful just because they attempt. A lot of people think they they're want. They're definitely not just because you attempt to do something. Well, sometimes people do stuff. And sometimes just get lucky. Right place, right time. And it has less to do with talent and more to do with just right place, right time. The whole thing about serial entrepreneurs, I don't know very many of them. I've, I've been doing it for really? 40. No. I've been doing it for 40 years. I know serial entrepreneurs that stick within an industry, kind of stick with their knitting, but I know a lot of entrepreneurs that have made their wealth or been successful in one asset class or one specific industry and then saw another industry and says, that looks like I can do that. And then they find out that they can't and then they shred a lot of capital. And then, you know, I met a lot of entrepreneurs that probably their pedigree isn't great, mm -hmm. you know, and they didn't go to Harvard Business School or something yeah, like that. Or they didn't even go to college. They, fit, they dropped out or whatever. They tend to do pretty well because they're, they have to, you know, they have to succeed. But they probably more than any group tend to have a hard time delegating, tend to have mm -hmm. a hard time with succession. Mm -hmm. And the business is personality driven and it lives and dies with them. But they, you know, they do very well when they're running it. 
Do you think that that's just like their stock of person, the type of person who is just meant to be an entrepreneur? It's innate to them. And that's why it's almost difficult for them to like hand things over because they're just so in the weeds with it and they enjoy that. Yeah. They enjoy it. They're in the weeds with it. They like control. (laughs) They tend to hire people that are and keep people that are loyal rather than skilled. So they tend to hire people that will kind of do what they want the entrepreneur to do. Whereas really at the inflection point where the entrepreneur really turns into the next stage of a company that's really got a lot of employees and a lot of growth, your style has to change. You have to hire people that are smarter than you. I hire people now that are, you know, they're way smarter than I am. That's a hard point though, especially if you've grown and you've you like really care about the people that trusted you or like maybe even like took a chance on you when you hired them and then to maybe realize, oh, these are generalists and I really need a specialist who's amazing at this one thing to take it to the next level. It can be really hard. Super hard. They feel that they've been betrayed. They feel like you've let them down or whatever, but you haven't. You know, you try to tell them that you got to do what's best for the organism and sometimes they don't agree with that. Also, to be an entrepreneur, you got to be selfish, but you got to be unselfish. And it sounds, you know, kind of bipolar, but what I mean by that is <laughs> you got to be selfish about, you know, the pride that you have in the business, but then you got to be unselfish about the tasks that you'll do for the business. Yeah. You have to so, be willing to clean the toilets. Absolutely. I did. <laughs> and when I started my firm with my brother and some other guys, we worked all the time. We did everything. Now that we're established and we've been in business a long time, I don't think the people I hired would do what we did. We still do it. But that's why an entrepreneur, I think, is it's so rewarding because it's it's there's so many ups and downs and it's like life, man. It's just like a struggle. And in the end, if you persevere, it's very rewarding. It's the hero's journey being an entrepreneur. I think there's a, a thread of humility that you start with and that you take with you the whole time because like you don't really forget how hard the beginning is. And also the beginning is really fun. <laughs> yeah, the beginning. I had the most fun in the beginning. We kind of had a business and lifted out of another organization. and then You went out on your own. Yeah, yeah. We went on our own. We didn't take salaries for the first six or seven months. And then we grew the business. And I would say to start the business, you have to be pretty confident in yourself. The back door was that we'd always could go back, but we knew within the first 90 days that we were never going to go back. And then once you get the culture of being an entrepreneur, once you get the culture of being in control or controlling more than you did when you were an employee – You'll not, you can't go back. You've been doing this for a really long time. Yep. You've lived through a lot of different economic cycles. Yeah, I have. I want to ask you about the pending recession that's coming and what mm-hmm. your thoughts are. But is there like one mantra or maybe I know you, you studied philosophy. You majored in philosophy in yes, college and you still yeah. study philosophy yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. deeply. Yeah. Is there a mantra or a, a certain philosopher that you go back to pretty consistently during like when things are hard? I don't have a specific philosopher. I guess he was a philosopher. It was Marcus Aurelius who's a Stoic philosopher. I, I just think every day is a challenge. Every day, you know, there's an obstacle and you know, the obstacle is is the path to success. So you need an obstacle to be successful, right? And that's the, one of the things about success is you don't really appreciate it until you've gone through a tough period or you've had some trials and tribulations and then success becomes, you know, that much more tangible. Whereas if you're just lucky, you caught the bottom of the economy and you say, this is easy. Well, then the next time a recession occurs, you know, you're not going to appreciate it and your humility isn't going to be there and then you're going to screw up. And You don't have teeth when you need them. You right. You, yeah. you, you just don't have – we call it in our business – you know, you make your bones in a bear market, meaning 
In a bear market, when the really bad events occur, that's when you become valuable to people. I'm an advisor. So, you know, you teach people how to behave, make sure they don't do anything to hurt themselves, and you calm them down and you prep them for that this is a normal event. It's going to be tough. But when it's over, if we go through this properly and protect ourselves, we're going to crush it because there's going to be a phenomenal opportunity to, you know, progress when the recession's over. But, you know, a lot of times when you get into it, you never know how deep it's going to be. And that's the hard part about it is the uncertainty. Right. Well, the obstacle is you a lot of the time. (laughs) The obstacle that like you need to sort of overcome is your mindset or your Mm -hmm. fear or whatever your self-sabotaging habits. Yeah, it shouldn't because, you know, it's just a normal part of the process. But I don't think a lot of people understand, like recognize that, you know? Well, they probably don't in this case because there's kind of been a weird 10 or 11 years of it, you know, after 08, which was an incredibly bad period. So what would you call 08? Okay, so I would say 08 was, started off as a recession and turned out to be a financial crisis. And what's the difference between those two things? Well, financial crisis is where your capital systems, the capital markets, Mm -hmm. begin to be unable to function normally. Right. So the ability for organizations to get cash on receivables via commercial paper or get uh, short-term loans from banks don't work. And, yeah. and is that because of that function, but the market breaks down. Mm-hmm. And that's what a financial crisis is. And that's, it's really bad. And almost all the time in a financial crisis, you're going to eventually, what should happen, is the United States government will come in and do something to- Bailouts, yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. But besides 08, when was the last time that there was a financial crisis like that? Was it the 30s? Yeah, probably the 30s. Yeah, I'd say the 30s was- and it was depression. They used to call recessions depressions, but after the Great Depression, they kind of changed them to recessions so people don't freak out. But that was bad. I'd say 2000 was bad. But that was, was a tough. recession, right? Yeah. 2000 was a recession and kind of the capital markets got a little stressed. And then 1990, 89, uh, there was a recession in there. And that's when the savings and loan industry blew up. It was borderline crisis. But the government jumped in pretty quickly on that. And the savings and loan industry wasn't as big as the banks were during 08, when 08 melted down. So, okay. There's definitely a cycle to this, right? 89, 90, 2000, 2022. There's a timeline there. Normally, when we talk about bull markets and bear markets, bull markets when the market goes up, bear markets when the market goes down, you know, it's like, three to one, maybe three and a half to one. So three and a half years up, maybe one year down. Mm-hmm. So about 75% of the time, the market's going up. 25% of the time, the market's going down. But when it's going down, it just goes down fast, super fast. Yeah. And it's the speed of that change that scares people. Even though they're rational enough to know that it's gonna, it can, it's eventually going to come to an end, it's the speed that the destruction of wealth occurs at that freaks people out. Part of what a recession is, is depth, is, you know, how damaging is it? So mm. a lot of people think today is 2022, Federal Reserve is raising interest rates after a long period of easing capital, probably way too long. And now we're probably going to go into a recession. And the current chair of the Federal Reserve thinks that he can orchestrate a soft landing. Mm. So it just comes down nice and smooth and we don't go into a really deep recession and we slow down very calmly. I hope to God that's happened. That'd be great. Does um, that extend the time of the recession? Yeah, it could. It makes it flatter for longer, and it doesn't go down. Right now, I think that's what the market is, is measuring. It's saying 
he's going to pull off a soft landing. If he doesn't, then you go to the next level. So the next level is a hard landing. And that's like 2000. That's obviously 2008. And that's a market and economy that stays down longer, say 12 to 18 months, and declines sharper. So Reminds me of like rolling your ankle versus breaking your ankle. Exactly. Yeah. And and it's just the the repair period's longer too. Yeah. So, you know, if you sprain an ankle, maybe it does, you can get better in two or three weeks or whatever, broken ankle, whatever. It takes eight weeks. That's a good analogy because it does take quite a bit longer. And then the other thing that happens the depth becomes it starts to scare people. And then the other thing that happens in a in a deep recession is once people start getting negative, <clears throat> it's it's really hard to turn people around. Because generally people are more fearful of losing money. The emotion of losing money is way stronger than the emotion of making money and being yes. greedy. But then what happens is people just start getting negative and you lose this this most important list or, or thing that can help the economy. And that's confidence. Right. I mean, that's why, you know, when the shit is the fan, part of the language, you want the president of the United States, you want the secretary of the treasury, you want these leaders to be front and forward and usually use the presidency as a bully pulpit and say, hey, everything's going to be great and we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And you got to inject confidence in the system. Yeah. It's the cheapest form of stimulus is, is confidence Yeah, in, in anything, in any business. If you can instill confidence in people and you, you're, it's much cheaper than, than giving them raises or whatever. It's the cheapest form, but it's the hardest. Right. And it's tough to do. Especially when you don't trust your government yeah. <laughs> and they haven't done a very good job over the last couple of years. It's really hard to instill confidence in people. So this recession, do you think it's going to happen? Because actually yesterday you're like, if there's a recession. Well, the problem with the recession is it's kind of like most of the organizations that call the recession, they don't really call it until you've been in it for six or seven months. <laughs> they're, they're like, it's raining. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's already raining. <laughs> but that's that's kind of what they just do it that way. So I, I look at the numbers. We also look at just anecdotal information. Like right now, I, I think we're going to go into a recession. But it's kind of like pornography. You you know it when you're in it. You, you know <laughs> no, it when you, you see, see it. it. Yeah. You you just know it. And I don't think we're in it yet. I think a few industries may be getting into it. Which ones? I think technology is. Yeah. I think because of all the layoffs. That's yeah. a signal. Yeah. Because of all the layoffs. I think VC land is is going to yep. change their ability to finance things, and businesses aren't going to be able to get capital, which is another right. Know, Why Combinator? Yeah. For everyone who's listening, just they're one of the best accelerators and incubators yeah, yeah. in Silicon Valley sent out to all of their all their companies to stop raising money basically yeah. and that's like your job after you yeah. after you go through YC is to raise money and they said don't stop raising money figure out a way to be profitable in the next year or else you're going to you're going to die so yeah. go figure it out which few is other, a bad few other sign. big VCs have done that too yeah, the other right. thing that that predates or a prerequisite to a recession is this excess, you know, this this binging on assets and this binging on hiring, and then it becomes complacency, and then eventually it breaks down. Mm -hmm. So that's what a recession really is. It's like the aftermath of, you know, a particularly hard night of doing mm -hmm. drinking or whatever. I say it's kind of like an economic detox in a way. Yeah, it's like a detox, a cleansing, or a hangover, and then there's a reload, and mm -hmm. that reload takes time. Right. You know, you can't detox like in two days, and that's what kills people is. Just the time of it, not the economy not doing well or the market not doing well, and they get fatigued. Yeah. They get tired, and then eventually they throw the towel in, and that's usually right around the time when the market turns <laughs> and goes back up. Yeah, it's almost- yeah. It's like you survive all this to give up, and then it yeah. 
Yeah, so people, yeah, people give up at the very end, and it's because they're fatigued and they just right. see their portfolio not doing very well. And it's hard to see the. I mean, a lot of our listeners are my age, so we graduated college around two thousand eight, but maybe haven't seen a recession at work. The only recession before. that that group has seen is the man-made recession of twenty twenty, which didn't last very long. Right. It was kind of an unusual thing, but that's a good example because what happened in in twenty twenty. After the beginning of the COVID, on March 20, early in mid-March, the Federal Reserve, they could see the markets were right. breaking down. Right. So they start you know, trying to inject confidence in people that the capital markets were going to be okay, don't worry about it. And each step, they had to go further and further until the evening of March 22nd, the Federal Reserve came out, the chair came out and said, we're going to do whatever it takes. We're going to buy bonds. We're going to buy municipal bonds, corporate bonds. They had never done that in the history of the United States. Wow. So it was a big, big medicine. I mean, because yeah. we really didn't know it was coming. Like, that was a totally different, I think. Like, it was such a wild card with COVID because no one knew well, yeah, what was COVID going to happen, was, right? Yeah, COVID was really tough. But that went, that was also, that was unprecedented for right. the Federal Reserve to do that. So I thought at the time, I go, wow, brilliant move. That was great. He saved the economy. Probably at the time was the most powerful person in the world. By injecting confidence yep. into people. Do you think that sending people checks helped with that? Yeah, I think so. It's a precedent that we may regret in the future, but no, I think it helped. No question. Well, I mean, universal basic income, yeah. I think it's opened the door for that, and that's a good thing. There's a lot of people that don't dig it. They're afraid of it because of its you know, perceived relationship to socialism. I'm not in that camp. You're a fan. Yeah, I, I just think it's necessary. I think there's a certain percentage of the population that needs that, and it's it's important. It's, Knowing what you know, what does this recession kind of look like? What's going to be the outcome? Well, it's it really hasn't started yet. In, in some some industries it has. What we're really seeing is a repricing of assets. So from Bitcoin to early stage technologies that are non-revenue to real estate to the stock market. Now that interest rates are moving higher, all those assets are getting repriced off of the higher interest rate. Okay. So the higher interest rates go, the lower your asset is going to be is, is going to be priced. So houses that were a million dollars a month ago are going to be $800. The same building costs more to finance and and it's almost twice as much. So presumably there's going to be less people that can, can afford to do it and it's more expensive. And are people and people simultaneously are also getting fired from jobs? A little bit. I think there's been a we have, we we monitor layoffs throughout every industry. I forget the website. I think it's layoff.com or something. And and you can see all the all the industries. So you're starting to see some layoffs. And which, one, which industries other than tech? Well, mortgage. Anything to do with finance, anything to do with real estate, you've mm. had massive layoffs. That's like 2008. Yeah. Are there any, any industries that are going to be good industries to be in during a recession? There's some businesses that can, that can do okay. I mean, generally, it's businesses that are pretty consumer staple-based, you know, pretty steady stuff. Like what? Well, stuff you touch and, and, and feel and eat and every day. So, you know, that would be your consumer staples, stuff that you use every day that you have to have. Right. Some stuff that's are staples that used to not, not be staples. So, for instance, I think streaming to some degree is, is discretionary, but it's almost a staple. Mm -hmm. People have to have it. That will do well. This wow. is not only a recession. See, the, the problem with this environment is it's going to be a recession because the Fed's fighting inflation. Mm. And this, you know, these inflation numbers are the highest they've ever been since, you know, I was first in the business 40 years ago. So that's what they're trying to get down. Remember, the Fed has two mandates. 
Fed has a mandate to control inflation, you know, maintain the purchasing power of the dollar by controlling inflation, which in this case they haven't done a very good job because no. inflation did very poorly. And then the other is full employment. So that's the two things they, they do. They don't care about the economy. That's the two things. So right now, they're all about getting inflation down. And how do they do that? Well, it's a good question. It's a question of whether it's demand-driven, which it probably is, or whether it's supply. And I would say this is demand-driven, meaning that because of what the Fed did during 2021 and created so much liquidity, mm -hmm. so much money in the system, a lot of that money kind of wasn't necessary. So people ended up spending it on stuff that, you know, they wanted and non-essentials, more discretionary items. And then the other thing that caused the demand to change was supply because of the logistics problem created a big Kind problem. of a perfect storm. Hmm. So you're going to have the worst of two worlds. You're going to have a slowdown while the Fed's dealing with this inflationary environment. So that's called stagflation. Right. And that hasn't happened since 68 to maybe 80. So the oh, 12 wow. Year period. It's about 12-year period. And that's, that really got us escalated in the early 70s when we had an oil embargo. Right. That's what kind of pushed it up. And then there was inflation. And, and it wasn't good for a number of years. And then the, there was a Federal Reserve chairman that came in, Paul Volcker, and he just raised rates dramatically hmm. and basically crushed inflation. And then the whole thing reset. So after recession- Why don't get, they do that? Well, because the problem is back then, balance sheets of the average American- Total debt of the U.S. government, total debt in, in, the, in the public markets wasn't as much. So if mm -hmm. you go too high, you could have you could throw yourself into a, a global financial crisis where people can't make payments, and then it's going to just filter through to everything. So he's got to be careful about. It. He's got to walk a tight walk. I don't think he's going to do a soft landing. I don't think he's going to make it. Like I said, I hope he does because if he did, we're probably today is what the twenty fourth or twenty fifth of June. So mm -hmm. we're probably there. Yeah. Probably, we probably made a low in the market, stock market, for instance. If yeah. we if we did the soft landing, but the, you think they're still going to we're still going got yeah. some way to go. Soft landing, we call that a non recessionary bear market. So that's about twenty five percent. Lasts about a hundred and fifty days. Okay, so that's about what about where we are. So maybe that's it. In which case, great, and that's short. Yeah, but that's a non recessionary bear market. If in fact it's a recession, it's going to be twice as long so it's going to be 330 to 340 days market days so that's a long time so it's like 16 17 months and then 35 percent to 40 percent decline wow. and right so that's about half so we got to go another bit some advice that you've given me before you've given me lots of good advice my favorite advice that i think about often is 90% of people don't even show up. Right. So just show up right. <laughs> to whatever it is you want to do. Mm -hmm. It used to be for me auditions mm -hmm. for dance. Now it's just like being a business owner. Right. Just show up. Number one, you got to get in the game. And, and most people won't get in the game. And it takes courage to get in the game. And so 80 to 90% of the people yes. won't, won't get in the game. And then the other piece of advice that you've given me recently is expect the worst. Yeah. Expect for the worst. Prepare for the worst. And then you'll be pleasantly surprised right. when something good happens. So yeah, that's a very stoic thing. The stoic philosopher or it's kind of like an operating system for living will come out and just say hey you know today someone's going to cut you off today someone's going to be rude to you mm -hmm. just expect it and mm -hmm. don't be egotistical enough to think it's because something you did to <laughs> be in a, a bad mood and just know that it's going to occur i make the analogy in our businesses we're fire people 
which means there's going to alarms going to go off every day. We know alarms going to go off. We just don't know whether it's a cat in a tree <laughs> or whether it's a five alarm, like you know, forest fire or right. brush fire. We don't know that. So, but just don't be startled when the alarm goes off because it's <laughs> going to go off. That's your job, you know. So there's very few days in business when something doesn't go off. There's yeah. always something that that you know is perceived as a problem and then turns into be you know you get the solution and. Yeah. Pushes you forward. Most yeah. people are afraid of bad news. Yeah. And like, honestly, bad news is the best. It's the best thing. You should look for the bad news because if people are just sell- telling you good stuff all the time, you're going to be stunned when yeah, the, the bad things yeah. actually happen. The best people we work with, I think, will tell us the bad news as soon as it happens. Right. Because then you can do something about it. Yeah. You know? well, I always say, hey, we're big boys. You know, we, we can handle this. Just tell us what it is. We can figure out how to fix it. Right. If you don't tell us for eight weeks, then by then, it escalates maybe to the fatal. point that you can't fix it. Right. It's and that's, like, that's the best advice I can, the strongest advice I can give anybody in business is, you know, if it's orders delayed, if the services, something's been compromised, just tell them, tell your mm-hmm. client. And they're going to trust you in the future because you have integrity. There's tons of entrepreneurs listening to this or people who want to become entrepreneurs. And what advice would you give them? Maybe what do they need to think about going into this recession? Well, it's not going to be easy. Like you already said, just kind of be prepared for it. There's there's things you can control and there's things you can't control. Don't confuse the two. And don't blame yourself for things you can't control. Be ready to zig and, <laughs> and zag and change your system. If something needs to be changed, don't be afraid to change it during that time. So, okay. Know when to zig and zag or like keep your eyes out. And then Don't be afraid I, of bad yeah. news. Then I would just say, man, just don't give up. Yeah. I mean, just don't give up. In the end, you know, you can have to work harder and you have to work longer and just don't quit. I yeah. mean, it's amazing how many entrepreneurs just didn't realize that for three years they worked for minimum wage <laughs> and then they became incredibly successful. They just did everything they could. And this is what's great about a lot of startups. The founders emotion, the founder's pride, the founder's goals, they supersede everything. He'll do anything or she'll do anything to help that business survive. It's true. Yeah. It's the great thing of entrepreneurs. It's why they're they're so resilient and it's an incredibly admirable quality to have. And it's exciting, I think, to deal with these people. And that's why entrepreneurs know when they talk to each other, they kind of know, you know, they go, yep, I know exactly what you're going through. I've been Mm -hmm. through it. And it's it's not one of these things where you can read a book and say, oh, yeah, that's what an entrepreneur <laughs> does. You got to go through it. You got to worry about making payroll. You got to worry about, I'm not going to be able to make bonuses this year. I'm going to miss my payment. Those are existential uh, issues. Those are the most important issues. And it just makes you, it just changes you it as does. an entrepreneur. And then, then, then you become humble, which is the first component of integrity for me. I think as an entrepreneur with a medium small business going through this i'm thinking about getting as tight and lean as possible i think i already ran a pretty fiscally conservative business where i don't like to spend a ton of money because i want to be able to make payroll and pay for health care for everyone i'm thinking about just like tightening up my belt and if if someone were going to like x-ray my books they would be like every single line item on here makes sense there's no extra fluff yeah well that's particularly during a recession that's what you do and you should be doing that all the time, but most right. people don't. But during a slowdown like this or a potential threat, existential threat, you've got to decide what the priorities are and which line items are actually producing revenue and are really revenue-centric and which ones possibly aren't and may just be kind of a luxury or a convenience. 
And then your head count becomes critical because you're going to find out which, you know, people are contributing, which ones aren't. And, you know, you may have to reduce head count. Yeah. And I think that actually opens up a really interesting for many people who will listen to this podcast are thinking about becoming independent contractors or consultants. And I do think that there, we're going to see way more of that availability in the market. But like I know I'm hiring more consultants. Yeah. Right? Well, they're easier to hire, number one. And then number two, you can just disengage from them. I don't care what your employee is or who he is or who she is. After a while, you have an obligation to them. You know, you feel like, you know, I can't lay them off. They got two kids. And so you give them time. That's probably the biggest mistake I've made in my career is I give, I give them too, I give them too much time. And then eventually what happens is they just do something that, that's the last straw. And, that's and hard. I, you know, yeah. you, especially you work with people for a really long time. Yeah. So it's, you want to give them the benefit of the doubt and help them turn around. And that's also your job as a manager yeah. is to help people make yeah. sure number one, they're in the right position to thrive. And sometimes that means we have to move them around business Yeah. Wise. You have to move them around because sometimes, they think they're X and they're really a Y. Right. And they don't want to be a Y. But, you know, you got to tell them why is important. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's super important to do what you do and we value it. And and that's – but the way you prevent that is you just become disciplined with your capital and how you deploy capital all year long. We kind of talked about the inflection point between generalists and specialists when you're hiring. And, like, contractors are specialists and they can really move the needle in your business if you know this is exactly what I need at this moment. This is going to be the best use of my money. So I think anyone listening out there who is considering going out on their own or maybe who's getting laid off, like this might not be as horrible well, it's, it's gonna be, it could as be you think. I think it's going to yeah. be real, a really good time for yeah. them, actually. And I think in you know today's day and age, I think it's a lot easier to do that. And it's way more accepted. Mm-hmm. And they're a variable expense. So when you look at it, you can say, okay, if I need to cut them back and and he's giving me 20 hours a month and he only needs to do 10, then so be it. But I have a lot of acquaintances and friends that, have done well being consultants. A good lifestyle too. I did before. I mean, that's how I paid for holistics. Yeah, I mean, I it's it's good because you can you can spread it out over the entire day, and you can work on the weekends, and because a lot of times you're doing reports and tasks and things like that. This was it's like cool. an it's like it was like econ <laughs> advanced. I do a lot. I talk every day to people, and I I spend a lot of time coaching people and counseling people, and I get calls usually when. This shit hits they're scared, yeah. They're yeah. scared or they're just confused or whatever. And, and, you know, you need to talk people down. And it's never as bad as it seems. That's the other thing about business. It's never as bad as you think it is. And Sometimes it feels like the end of your life. Yeah, but it's not, number one. And then number two, there's always a solution. You can, very few things are terminal. You can always you know, come up with a solution for it or work it out. And a lot of times just having the courage just to ask for, you know, a concession or just saying, hey, yeah. why don't we do it this way or, you know, I know it's not working out with this particular client, but why don't we do this or why don't we do that? But this has got to happen. In order for us to go to the next level, we have to have a contraction. We have to get – one thing that happened in 08 that helped people, but it probably in the long term was negative, is there was a lot of businesses that stayed in business because the government let them, the Federal Reserve let them. So, Like what kind of businesses? In, in, any, in any industry or any sector, yeah. there's businesses that were subpar that should have gone out of business. Because what happens in a recession is your worst competitor goes out of business or consolidates or just quits. So all his clients are available. And so the strong stay in the game, they get stronger, and then they, they absorb mm. that. So they get bigger. Yeah, it really is just – it's a waiting game. It's yeah, like, well, so, it's like just a keep treading water, dude. Yeah, it's like, it's <laughs> like you prune the tree to, into, yeah. in order to grow. But in a recession – 
if you're prepared for it and you and you survive, you will thrive. You're That's, building your muscles. Like yeah. you said, you yeah. build your bones then. That's yeah. like, you know, like when you train for a marathon, you know. I always tell people, if you can run a mile, three miles, you can run a marathon. And you can train for anything. Yeah. That's the thing. You can train for anything. <laughs> but, you know, if you train for it, you can do it. And anybody right. can do it. I guess recession is a little bit like training. Yep. Well, it's important. It's important to go through. But plus, remember, in order to to get to the next level, to grow again, you've got to get rid of those excesses. And right. you've got to get back in shape. Pruning yeah. the tree is a good example because it's like, even in nature, if there's excess, if there's redundancy and there's weight, they can't exist in the ecosystem. The ecosystem has to right itself. And that's just like the economy. It needs that in order to be healthy and for everything mm-hmm. to survive and very thrive. Much, yep, very much so. And it's just one of these things, unfortunately, you know, it's not fun to go through. But once you've been through them a few times, just know, okay, it's going to happen. When you said expansion and contraction, that reminds me so much of like what we talk about at Holisticism, which is just like healing, you yeah. know, or like growing. Right. And there is always a contraction mm-hmm. before an expansion. Exactly. Just like your breath, yep. right? Like yep. you need both. You yep. need both sides of the coin. It's always two steps up, one step down. You know, to expand, there's got to be this contraction. And there's going to be some, there's going to be some carnage. There's going to be some yeah. businesses that just aren't going to make it. What I think helps is like we've, we talk a lot about the archetypal journey. Mm-hmm. You and I talk about the hero's journey. And I think when you know kind of like the archetypal experience of a recession or anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, as the hero, like you're going to have a dark night of the soul. So when you inevitably come to that dark night of the soul, you're like, but this isn't the end. Like, right. I know I have to go through this. This is just part of it. And I think that that, mindset can really help during times like this where you're like is this gonna end what's gonna happen it's just it's an archetypal experience in a way. yeah that's like the obstacle is the way i mean it's it's it looks like the impediment but the reality is it promotes the success and it's very healthy to experience that and like i said it builds this resiliency and humility and confidence and ultimately wisdom success is really best enjoyed after you've struggled and had failures. So many times. You yeah. fail nine times and then you succeed once. Yeah, so what's the big deal? You know, it's kind of like when we were when I started in the business back in 1980, we used to have, I was at a brokerage firm and we used to have cold calls. Mm-hmm. Literally, you pick up a phone. Back then they were punch dial type things. Mm-hmm. And you just call people cold. You, know? <laughs> you weren't blocked. And we knew that if we did 100 of those a day, we knew this, if we did 100 of those a day, that you'd make 20 contacts. And mm-hmm. of those 20 contacts, you'd probably open a couple accounts. 2% you, conversion rate, yeah. basically. You had yep. to get to that 100. So if you got to 50, you know, and the guys that, and women that didn't get to 100 ultimately didn't make it. Yeah, it's numbers totally game. a numbers game. A pure numbers game. And all you had to do is just, even if you just got on the phone and were a blithering idiot, eventually <laughs> somebody would feel sorry for you and they give you an order. <laughs> but, but you're also practicing, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just well, like that's when the you other pitch, thing. Yeah, like yeah. every time you pitch, you get right. better So you can imagine making 100 dials a day and 20 contacts. So you're making 20 pitches a day. You know, after a while, man, it's like you can do the, you're pitching the sleep. Like right. you, you just know it. I think eventually figure out how to make the sale. You just get resilient and you, you can figure it out. And and then your pitch becomes so refined. Then you become um, also very observant and you listen and you can listen to objections. You can listen to what the client wants and you can reformulate it and, re, you know, you can just kind of respin it. Yeah. Uh, not, not in a negative way, in a positive way. And you just got to listen. When you've done so many pitches, there's no question that's going to come up that you're not going to be able to answer unless the right. question's totally out of right field. But, well, and also when you know yourself and you trust yourself, right? Like yeah. you trust that you're an expert in what you do. Well, the other thing that people don't realize, and people that are listening to the podcast, whatever industry you're in, whatever business you're doing, 
you probably already know more than 99% of the people. <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, really, when you think about it, you, you know your space more than you think you do. Yeah. And there might be that one or 2% that is super brilliant that knows more than you do, but really, very seldom going to run across that person. So even if you've only been in the business for a year or six months or whatever, you know more than you think you do relative to who you're presenting to. And then eventually, you're going to be an expert. And then just a matter of living through different cycles, which I think living through a recession is super important because it, it's going to teach you how to respond to to tightenings and contractions. And then also, it's going to you know prepare you for it. And you're going to bunker down, do what you need to hunker down, do what you need to do. And then as soon as this thing turns, man, you're going to crush it. Yeah. And you got to be prepared for that. Yeah. It's almost like you're like... You're running uphill, and then the hill, the, exactly. it gets flat, and you're like, "Whoa, I'm so fast!" Yeah, and, just, and, then, <laughs> and then you can then you can really, really make up a lot of a lot of ground. That's why I tell people: is this, let's, let's get through it. It's good. It's here. Let's get through it, and then let's make sure we count our fingers and toes, and we don't have any. Just don't want to do anything that's fatal. And what creates a, a fatal event for a company usually is they've overlevered, they borrowed too much money, mm-hmm. or they just don't have the proper capital reserves or they think they've got pretty good clients, but the reality is they don't. Right. And then they're going to find out who their right. clients or they're, are. They're, they've got three clients and yeah. they're like, we're good. And then they lose one of those yeah, clients and they're like, oh That's the worst part. So, right. you know, you're going to find out what some of your, everybody's got blemishes, everybody's got problems. And you can't be, you know, take it personally either. If, if you know, someone sees something about your business that's clear that could be improvement, even though you've busted your ass and done whatever you can to help the business, you know, you got to be open for suggestions and totally. be thoughtful about listening to them. Don't act on every one of them. And I think, I mean, if you get feedback as an entrepreneur, there's only so much you can do as an entrepreneur, only so much you can focus on and prioritize. Right. And you did the best that you could with what you had. And taking feedback from someone else doesn't mean that you're bad at your job or it just means that you might have had a blind spot. Yeah. Well, everybody's got, everybody has them, you know. But Teach that's the thing with the entrepreneur. He or she get kind of, they kind of throw themselves into things. And, and, and I do think sometimes, you know, you're a five skill person. You think you are and you're juggling five things at one time and you may not be. <laughs> and you might be better off, you know, laying that off on somebody else or removing that for the time being and focusing on the other four things. Yeah. I mean, and you, you, you got to focus on the most important essential things during a downturn. You're reevaluating, you're looking at it and you say, okay, what is what works about my model? What doesn't work about my model? What's causing a problem? And it might just be one or two things that you need to switch. Yes. And usually it's getting rid of a problem that will end up, you know. Makes your life so much easier. Or yeah. makes everything smoother. Yeah. And, br- and bring you to the next level. When you think that way, you're just less precious. Right. I think. And you also are more open to solutions. Like, well, okay, if I had to get rid of this person or if I had to drop this product, then what would I do? And then you start to see potential openings or areas that you had never considered before. And that's, I think, what makes a really good entrepreneur. Yeah, you have to have that. In order to to grow, you know, you got to be able to say, you know, I may have to cut down this, you know, sacred bush or tree or whatever. <laughs> we, know, my dad just to indicated to a bush outside of our yeah. house. <laughs> <laughs> there just may be something, the sacred cow, I guess, that you got to get rid of. And, and you got to be willing to do that. But it's a great period. And then, you know, when things are going great, it's, it's kind of boring <laughs> because things are going too smoothly. And again, you don't know whether it's because of your skill or whether you're just in right. the right place at the right time. I mean, Dad, you've spoken just like a someone who needs a high amount of stimulation all yeah. the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was great. 
Any last dad advice that you think that everyone needs to hear? The team, me, when I listen back to this? Hang in there, man. Just stay in the game. And in the end, that you got to persevere. And some days are, it looks like you're at the end of your rope. You're not. Uh, just don't quit. And in the end, that will that will help you a lot. That's the most important thing. Every time you survive, you get stronger and stronger and yeah, stronger. Yeah, it's totally cool. It's just part of the whole cycle, and uh, that's why you just got to accept it. There really is a spiritual lesson in here. Yeah. You know, the just, whole thing. The, the, the one thing is just don't put yourself in a position where y- it can be fatal. And usually the fatality occurs because you're over-levered or you've... I think it's when you're too emotional. Yeah, you, you can get too emotional, and that, that can be things that causes a, a fatality. And I, I would say too emotional just means like you're not listening to yourself. Because I think most people have a really good gut instinct. Yeah, I think in the end, you know what the right thing to do is. Yeah. You really do. And for some reason or another, you're reluctant to do that. But I think you should get accustomed to it. And as you go through recessions, you'll get the cadence. And then, like you are, like I am, you'll be on, t- you, you anticipate them. Kind of like if you just put your head down and like do your work. Yeah. Like you're going to kick ass. Yeah. I think it's a big component of it. You don't even have to like compete against other people. You just have to like do your thing. Okay, cool. Cool. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. I love you. Okay, I love you too. Bye. (laughs) And that's our episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you enjoyed this. I hope that you were, (laughs) you feel a little bit better about what's happening in the world and the economy and you feel a little bit more informed. And uh, we'll be back next week with, you know, some more check-ins, some more intuitive business work. And I just want to remind you that we have some things happening in the holisticism universe. Our class, Notion for Magical Baddies, Digital Altars, is going live very soon. It is an intensive weekend. So instead of happening over four days, we're doing it in all in one fell swoop, binge mode, because so many people loved our system spells binge mode. And class begins on Saturday, July 9th. So we're excited to have you there. Digital Altars is one of our most loved classes. And not only will you totally wrap your brain around social media in a totally different way. We'll talk about digital archetypes, creating your digital archetypes, how to show up on social, and also how to make content that really makes you shine, but is also fun. You'll walk away with a bunch of content that you'll make too as part of class. This class is created for people with squiggly brains, people with ADHD like me and my dad. So it goes pretty quick, but it is highly stimulating. It's really fun. There are a lot of gifts. We'd love to see you in class and you can join at notionforbaddies.com backslash digital alters. Okay. I think that's it. Just a reminder that when you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, that really helps us get found by more people. And the more people who find us, the better these episodes get, the better sponsors we can get, and the more we can help you, the more we can offer to you for free. So if you haven't already reviewed the podcast, please do. That helps us so much. (laughs) And if you loved this episode of The 12th House, please share it on, I don't know, your IG stories. We would love to see that from you. It makes such a big difference to us. We truly, truly, truly look at everything that comes through our inbox and we appreciate you. So thank you so much for listening to the episode and we will see you next week. Bye. The Twelfth House is produced by yours truly, Wallace Miller Blanchard. Our theme music is made by Nathan McKay, and our wonderful editing is done by Softer Sound Studios, who you can find more information about in our show notes.